What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I am the ever-talkative Pete Collison, joined, as always, by my friend Scott Bracey. What's going on, dude? Cheers. Good afternoon, sir. Rumor has it on the uh, on the Twitterverse there that um, I, that I, I, I kind of overwhelm sometimes. And and I, I can't even really argue with that on here sometimes. I get going, and I just – I'm passionate about what we're talking about. And also, sometimes I just feel the need to like explain myself because I'll say something and you know how the world takes things. They take it the way they want to hear it. Okay, so then I I already sense that coming. I have a sixth sense about people taking things the wrong way. So then I feel like let me explain it ahead of time. So so the so the stupid people can totally understand Ooh, what I'm talking that, about. Let's let's not insult. I'm not, our I'm not saying anybody that, specific. That, Nobody that, specific. Let's, let's not no, do that. No, 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 um, no, no, no. Of course not. Yeah, you were. Listen, you were just on one last week, and uh, you were the Dominic Greca of the uh, Bump and Run podcast. <laughs> it was about seventy percent Peter, and uh, some would argue more. But hey, listen, it's a new week. Yeah. Um, listen, you made a lot of good points, and I'll give you the business a little bit. Here's why, um, and maybe it's my fault because I talk so much. And and I I make so many points. Then you go, yeah, I totally agree. And then we're kind of stuck with, yeah, I totally agree. Well, so I, like, well, well, listen, <laughs> that's usually the cue to shut the fuck up, and you didn't even do that. So I, 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 I was I was kind of let you bury your own uh, your own grave. It's week. very difficult to get me to shut Woo! up, dude. I mean, it's just wow. hard. Sometimes I just have to ask somebody, am I talking too much? Maybe we need to come up with like a hand signal, like you just no, that you means keep me. going. You know, like when you're in a hospital, like God forbid, like you need like a morphine drip, and it's like once in a blue moon. That might be button. you. That might be you with the fuck a bourbon. We need a kill button or something. Ooh, yeah, ooh. I got the control over the mute. The, both of our mics, the <laughs> mute. Maybe you should have that control over the mute. And be like, all right, we're gonna give Pete a little break now. He's gonna drink a little water. <laughs> Go take so, a lap around the so, building. <laughs> let Scotty talk for a minute. So I'll do. I'll I'll try to do better. I make no promises though. It's just like. I, I just I go off on I go off Listen, sometimes. What the the show is the show is not scripted. That's what makes it great. So so we have a lot to get to today. This will be one of our two pre-draft specials where we'll, where we will break down and kind of go over players we like uh, at given positions. I even have uh, one player in each position that I, I I think at least for like a top ten pick I would or top twenty pick I'd probably stay away from some even further than that. Um, which I think will be fun. And I have a su- surprise player at the quarterback position. No, no way. Um, but before we get to that stuff, um, we kind of have some, like, you know, quasi-breaking news. We'll call it more surprising news as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jay Wright, head coach of the two-time national champion Villanova Wildcats for Final Fours, has retired. Surprisingly has retired. What are your thoughts on Bidding that? Bidding farewell. 60 years old. Uh, well Good-looking, sixty years. By the way, uh, he is handsome uh, devil. He's a he is a George Clooney like yeah, yeah. uh, figure. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, a tad surprising. Yeah. Uh, no fanfare, no goodbye tour as Coach K uh, handled that this year, which I love. You know, by and, the and way, I love it as well. But and maybe, and maybe, and maybe he knew. Last year he was going to hang it up, and he didn't want to, you know, maybe step not. on anybody's toes, and it was going to be Coach Carroll the way anyway. So it kind of worked out for him. 
Um, listen, I'm very, very shocked. He's got a great team coming back. He's got a great recruiting class coming back, coming in. We talked, we were singing his praises all of Absolutely. the last couple of weeks. But you know what? Maybe he wants to do other things, hanging with his wife and family, and, you know, God bless him. So Yeah, truth be told, the guy's made a lot of money. He's very comfortable. He's done a great job. What I like more than anything about Jay Wright is that, you know, like Frank Sinatra would say, he did, he did it his way. Um, yeah. He didn't go the route, and never did, never deviated. He didn't go the route of the one-and-done players, at least not very often, if ever. He really was about bringing in guys that were more like three, four-star players and developing them and and trying to teach them to be part of something bigger than themselves. I, that's actually a quote from him, you know, leading into the Final Four this year. Like, how did you do it? And, you know, you really don't have these five-star recruits. And this is how you bring them in as freshmen. You keep them around for three, four years. And it becomes more important to them. The school, the team matters when you're there that long. This is the kind of stuff we've been talking about, like, incessantly this year, what we don't like about college basketball. It's hard to get attached to teams because we don't know the players. They're just not around long enough, especially the good players. Duh, those are the ones you tend to know the most, the great players. Yeah. And, you know, they're not there long enough. Even Coach K got got sucked up in the one and done. Like, he he looked at it and said, I can't compete on this level without these, you know, one-time freshman players. And guess what? Jay Wright did. Jay Wright was able to do that. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, I am curious... You know, I guess we'll hear from him at some point, I guess. But um, I would love to know if the NIL stuff has anything to do with it. You know, I'm sure he's been around for a long time. He's been in coaching for 38 years at the at the collegiate level. So it's he's been around a long time, and that's that's a massive change. That's a very different way of working with the NIL. And he may just it may be just a factor. I don't think it's everything, but it could be a factor of saying, you know what, I'm good. Got a, I'm a married man, wife. I got, you know, what, 30 good years left in my life. I could enjoy them without any stress, without any problems. Listen, the glory of being a head coach, it's something else. Uh, but, boy, it's tough. On the road, when you're not playing games on the road, you're recruiting on the road, you're constantly working. It's a stressful-ass job. These guys love it, but it can get to you. So maybe it just maybe he just had enough, and if that's the case, and he was able to walk away because financially he's set – God bless him. Good for him. I'm happy for him. I hope it, I certainly hope it's not health related. Um, but whatever the reason is, he's able to do it and I'm happy for him. So it sucks for us. That's all. So, you know, who's probably pissed off right now. Who? Kevin Willard. And why do you say At that? Seton Hall. Ex Seton Hall coach. Cause I feel like he's had some teams that were right there with him. And I, you know, they won a big East tournament. They finished second or third in a conference a couple of times. And I think with Jay Wright stepping down, I think he could have kind of swooped right in, uh, and then he takes the Maryland job and see you later. yeah, yeah. And now they got a new coach, the, the kid from uh, Shaheem Holloway, yeah, that played yeah. for Seton Hall. Now he's their head coach after doing a great job with St. Peter's. So yeah, hell of a hell of a story. I just I was a little taken aback by this one. It doesn't happen often. Usually these guys, when you've come, when you've gone that far, you kind of do it more or less for life. So. And you, and you and you kind of have an idea. All right, he's a year or two away. Like you know, like Beheim's any minute now. Yeah. Like, like I mean, he's announced before. I, Beheim has announced before yeah. that he was retiring and then changed his mind for Christ's sake. I don't think he's hard. He's put a cap on it and then he's taking the cap off. Yeah. Like I mean, so. even even Shashevsky. Like I think it was like two days after they lost in the final four. It was like, is he really retired? Maybe he's not retired. Like <laughs> maybe he'll change his mind, dude. It's been two days. Um. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. 
it is interesting. He he loves Villanova. I, you know, from what I understand, he's staying on in some kind of advisory role. Um, I'm sure it's a lot less stressful role. It'll probably be a pretty well-paying role. Um, he's a different character, and and I have a lot of respect for that. You know, he he never had any aspirations of going to the NBA. He never had any aspirations of going anywhere else. He loved Villanova. Did an amazing job. You know, Villanova was a nice program. They had won the one national championship back in the day. Um, but when he got there, and ever since, they're per- perennial powerhouse. You know, I had I had said they're kind of like the Gonzaga of the East, and maybe it's maybe I'm saying it backwards. Like Gonzaga is more the Villanova of the of the West because, you know, they won the national championship twice, four four Final Fours. So, yeah, it's a tough place to uh, to definitely recruit and coach. You know, the yeah. Big East is now very watered down from what it was even like eight ten years ago. But sure. you know, listen, they be the king of anything. You know, we've had our our opinions on Gonzaga. You know, winning not not getting the top crown. But winning 23 straight championships is, dude, whatever it is, it's a great job. Absolutely. So, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, and hopefully enjoys the, re- the rest of what he's going to do. And yeah, he'll be missing the college basketball world for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on some kind of ESPN college basketball coverage. Like we said before, good looking dude. Uh, he actually is also like super articulate. The passion that he has for basketball comes across full throated when he when you see him interviewed. Um, dude, he he has a lot of like that Jimmy Valvano kind of look about him, like that passion when he's talking basketball. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that. And frankly, we see the numbers over during, at the end once football season ended, and we saw some of the guys that got shuffled around. And we saw the numbers that were thrown around. Maybe Jay Wright was like, "Oh, so I can make uh, five million dollars a year as the Villanova head coach, or I can make seven million dollars a year as an analyst on ESPN." That sounds fantastic. Yeah, can we replace? Uh... Seth Davis on CBS with him, that'd be lovely. Oh, God. Jesus. Please do. All right, let's get to what we're really here for. Talk some NFL draft news, draft talk. What we're going to do here is we're going to break down our favorite quarterbacks, our favorite wide receivers, and we're just going to say our favorite defenders. I have a couple offensive linemen that I want to throw out there for you because um, I think especially for – you know, teams that have up-and-coming quarterbacks, Chicago, the Jets, um, Jack- Jacksonville, Patriots, Houston. Niners. Niners. I don't know how much. Do they need help on the offensive line, though? I don't know about that. Anyway. You, you, could, you, you could always use offensive line. Especially those younger guys. They need the protection. They need the time. Um, so we'll get into that. So let's start with our top QBs. I'll give you my first one right off the bat. Are you going five Are you going five down? I have three. I have three. I'm just going. Okay. I just have uh, – do I have them in order? I guess I kind of do if I look down this list. Yeah, I do. Well, then, well, then please I'll do start that. with three. I'll start with number three, and then I'll work my way backwards. And my number three is Desmond Ritter. Um, I liked him all year. Uh, you know, obviously I was on the Cincinnati bandwagon all season, proven to be correct with that. Um I think he's. I think he's a a great kid to pick up. I've I've mentioned him as like a as a a Kaepernick without the attitude. A lot of straight line speed. He's not so shifty like a Lamar Jackson, but he's got that straight line speed. But I think he's an excellent passer. And if you look at his evolution as a passer from the from his early years to the time he's a senior, you'll see a guy who really really developed into an excellent passer. And another thing that I like about him a lot, and you see guys in the NFL have success when they come from this kind of situation. He's been a starter for a long time. So he got 
coaching from the same coaches for a long time and you can see the development of him as his footwork uh his arm talent his accuracy um he showed it early in the alabama game i'm not going to hold the alabama game against him when you got like almost one double a lineman blocking against some you know six guys that are going to be in the nfl um so i think desmond ritter I, I like him a lot he's a proven winner uh he's got the run capability certainly has developed the passing capability I'll acknowledge that the team that he goes to kind of needs to be ready to cater to what he's best at, like a lot of RPOs, throw some runs in there. But I don't think he's a run-centric guy. I don't think it. I don't no. think that's the case either. I just need. I just mean be ready to work with what he's capable of. I, I mean, you could say that about all these rookies too. It's um, like a Jalen Hurts type of guy. He's not nearly as as big and strong as Jalen Hurts. He's a much better passer, though, like a much better passer. And frankly, he's a better runner. He's a real long strider. Where he's best is once he gets into open space. He's he's, yeah. off. he's off. He's just a jackrabbit. So Desmond Ritter's my number three. I will give you five and four. Um, <laughs> number five for me, I got Sam Howell, 6'1", 220 out of North Carolina. Gets a lot of Baker comparisons. We're both not big fans of that. Yeah. Um, I loved him two years ago, but, you know, you take away Javante Williams and uh, Michael Carter – from his run game, and he kind of had a little bit of a down year. Um, he's not exactly thrown to guys at Ohio State or Alabama either, to be Correct. fair. Um, but, you know, we'll see with that. We'll see. What do you think, third round for him? I don't know if he's going to fall that late. Um, Second, third I'm going to – my number two guy was Sam Howell. Uh, I have, he has grown on me. Uh, and this is after – I have to admit here, this is after I actually thought about him having a disappointing season. I'm like, wow, this guy really really fell down my board. But then when I looked at film, I realized some of the things you just said, uh, graduated receivers, graduated running backs, maybe more importantly, the the offensive line was a fucking disaster this year. I don't know. I don't that know. How, I think true. they lost three starters on the offensive line. I'm watching guys on plays that he made, like on plays that he made completions – just guys coming free. Like the, the, I don't know. Again, you know what? I don't know if to blame this on the offensive line, young team, you know, running backs that didn't play last year, not picking up blitzers, that kind of stuff. He has grown on me. And while, yes, I actually look at him as like uh, Baker-esque, he's thicker than Baker, number one. Like he's a thick, strong dude. He's got a Russell Wilson type body, okay? Uh, I think he's got a better arm than Baker Mayfield. And he absolutely, maybe more than anything, has a better attitude than Baker Mayfield. Um, yep. So yep. Sam Howell, for some reason, um, he's grown on me. He has definitely grown on me. I was not big on him earlier. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that. You were yeah. uh, you were not a fan. It was only because of what I watched. Uh, after watching, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, this guy's making plays with free blitzers, like free guys coming through the line and still making plays. So... If you go back to his previous season, you're like, whoa, this dude, he's got some serious game. And oh, by the way, he can he can move. Like he's got he's got some giddy up. Like he can run. I'm not saying he's Desmond Ritter or Lamar Jackson. That's not what I'm saying. But he could go. Like he's a runner. He can run. And I just like that he's thick. He's a thick body. You know, if there's a if there's a downside of like a Zach Wilson, it's that he's not. Like he he's thicker bottom, but his upper body is not that thick. You know, and you could say that about a Kyler Murray who doesn't last throughout the season, just kind of smallish. Sam Howell's not that dude. Sam Howell's a big, strong dude. Like if he was any taller and couldn't throw, he'd probably be like middle linebacker. You know, so 
He he grew on me. I know that's a bit of a surprise, but he grew on me as I watched as I watched film on. Oh, listen, guys. that's yeah. that that's that's very mature of you, well, and I'm glad you could admit that. Yeah, and you want us, and you and you may see that when it comes to the draft, like where some people, you know, like Todd McShay are saying, well, he's he's a third round pick, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't be stunned if it was a late first. I wouldn't be stunned. I, I'm not predicting that, but I wouldn't be stunned. I, I really you. wouldn't be stunned if somebody saw what I, I saw and is like, you know what, I'm gonna we're gonna jump up. I just hope you're awake for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't count. All me. right, so now I'll give you four and three since you said. <laughs> Please, yeah, go ahead. Uh, number four for me, I got your boy Desmond Ritter, 6'3", yeah. 210. That's fair. Uh, like you said, athletic, four-year starter, 44 career wins. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, that's a big deal. And listen, he's a mature guy. He's a father. Uh, he had a baby last offseason. So, you know, I kind of like that. Uh, his teammates said they saw a big step up. A lot of growth. Last year. Yeah. A lot of growth. As a player and a person, which both are important for the position. You know, if it's a wide receiver and he doesn't grow as a person, you're like, whatever. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But the fit, it's, the, you know, we talk about all the time. The quarterback is the, you know, is, it's a quarterback centric league. He's facing your, your organization. Yeah, so. You have to be a leader of men. You have to look. You, when you're looking at ten other guys and you want them to follow you, you got to be. You got to be. Got to be a grown leader, up. Man. This is yeah. And you know what's funny about that? I've heard Colin Cowherd say this, and I have to agree with him, which I I try not to do too often. Oof. Remember when you? You know, I mean, you're an older dude now. You're what, thirty six? 37. Like, when you were 22 or 23, yeah. were you a fucking grown-up? No way. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's almost not fair what we ask a kid yeah. to do coming you're, out you're, of college. You can like, argue I'm still not. I was an idiot. Like, to think yeah. that, like, you know, uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of somebody like Corey Davis is going to listen to me as I just come out of college. I'm a moron. <laughs> like, why would he listen to me, you know? So, but he's a grown-up. You're absolutely right. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, number three. No, no. Number three for me, I got Matt Corral. Uh, see, I, now I've, I've gone the opposite way like you went with Sam Howell. I liked his game, and I watched some film. I'm kind of, like, regressing on him a little bit. I did, too. Uh, 6 2 2 10 at Ole Miss, gunslinger type of guy, has never seen a throw he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, tough kid, though. I, you you got to love a tough guy. That's where Baker Mayfield comparisons for me. He's tough. He'll play hurt. Yes. Um, he can run. He showed improvement this year. He cut down on turnovers in 2021. Um, but he went up against a lot of tough defenses in the SEC, so that you got to give that a little. But listen, they're all and usually did well in the NFL. So usually did yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I'm glad I kind of have a quarterback. You have a quarterback. I'd be a little weary if I took a shot on him here. Yeah, but I still have a little bit ahead of Ritter and Howell just because of the, the toughness and the and the competition. In my opinion, he's a career backup. Like I see, Chase, I, I see Chase Daniels here. Um, really. I mean, if you're not going to be a pro, this is the kid you want as your college team's quarterback. Like, he's just fun to watch, dude. Like, I'm kind of sad that he's not going to be in Mississippi anymore because he's fun because he'll take off. Like you said, he's got a little gunslinger in him, which in college, especially you're playing in Mississippi. At Alabama, you can't be that. Yeah. But at Mississippi, you got to take some risks, and you got Coach K as your – yeah, yeah, as I said, coach, the best, yeah. the best combination. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I'm almost sad to see him go pro because I don't think we're going to see much of him. Um, and listen, there's nothing wrong with being a career backup. It's a good living. I just don't see him. He's a little undersized. He gets banged up a little easily. And what's worse about him getting banged up easily is that he plays a little reckless. I don't just mean like chuck and duck. I mean like he will he will dive for first downs and he'll take hits. Yeah. And he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. He's just a little undersized for me. So I, I don't even have him in my top three there. I'll give you two since you gave R2. You're, you're, okay. ready, to, you're ready to shoot number one. Yeah. Um, I believe you left this guy off your list. I, I'm just assuming. I have Malik Willis at number two. Yeah. 
220 at Liberty, dude. High ceiling, high character guy. Um, people, coaches, and organizations are raving about him at the combine. Arm strength is ridiculous. It's insane. Exciting shooting up the draft boards, but very raw, very unproven schedule, and all of that stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna reserve comment for him on him for a minute. Alrighty. My, my number one guy is has been uh, and will remain Kenny Pickett. I think he's the most NFL ready. Uh, I believe um, he fits the most types of schemes. Like you can put him. You can put him in a West Coast. You can put him with Andy Reid. You can put him, you know, you know, with, you with can, Shanahan, with yes. McVay. Yeah, I, I think he fits anywhere. And listen, he's a three or four year starter, which I, I just you look at the league and you look at the guys totally that played great. a long time. They, if they're not super great, they're very, very good. Like they end up doing and, well. And those are guys you have. Those guys last 12, 15 years in the yes. league. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, um. I don't love the fact that he wears gloves on both hands. That just bothers me. I got a problem with that. Uh, but he played in a pro-style offense in college, which translates really well to the NFL. He was a Heisman candidate. There's an argument to be made that maybe he should have won it. Um, he's big, strong kid, thick, physical player. Comes out of a tough school. Yeah, yep. it's a tough school with Pittsburgh. Weather um, and, yeah, Steel he's City. been yep, there. Definitely. Yeah. In fact, the Steelers might be a kind of a good fit for him. You know, that's been rumored. It never works out that way, so don't expect <laughs> it. But it would be a really good fit, and it'd be kind of fun because he's played on that field for a long time. I just like him best. I just think he's ready to go. Um you know, I it's hard to say. Like, like I said, the Steelers to me is a good fit. Frankly, Seattle would be a really good fit for him because he's a he's a no turnovers kind of guy, and you have a defensive coach and Pete Carroll who doesn't like turnovers, which Russell Wilson never really did. I I, I, I think Carolina is exactly the same thing. Defensive minded head coach, they're ready yeah. to roll on the defensive if side. Washington would be a good warmer fit for weather. Him. Maybe turn the gloves yeah. down. <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Now they're. Part of the glove thing is that his hands are a little undersized. I'm not getting into this shit, dude. I, I I don't know. I get it. I get the whole small hands, fumble. I don't know. He wasn't known. I didn't – I looked at a lot of film. I didn't see a shitload of fumbles. You know, whatever. I, I just look at him and I say, that guy looks like a pro. He's a big, strong, strong-armed <coughs> kid who can run <coughs> and is smart and is a leader. Like, that. Th those are things you got to look at. When you watch how his teammates – react to him during and after games of all the guys that I see in this list like he actually has that most that presence among his team him and Desmond Ritter to me and frankly Sam Howell had it too um yeah you mentioned Malik Willis I have Hold him on. I'm sorry Hold go on. ahead yep my bad so my number one is uh it's gonna be shocking to you I left Kenny Pickett off this list it's Carson Strong no I'm just kidding it's Kenny Pickett he's the most <laughs> he's the most NFL ready guy I don't know how much to add to what you said um, he did another guy that cut back on his turnovers a lot. Four-year starter again. Broke a lot of Marino records, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, and the small hands could be a problem, but, you know, we'll see. I, I You know, if if that's going to be your deciding, you know, facet yeah. of, like, what, then then you don't like the kid in the first place. Like, you know what I'm saying? Then you shouldn't be drafting him in the first round. But, um, yeah, you mentioned Malik Willis. For me, he's my no. I'm saying a hard no on this one, and I'm I would take him maybe third or fourth round down the road. And I love his athleticism. And I was one that was talking about him earlier in the year because he puts up some really striking numbers. He didn't belong at Liberty. Let's put it that way. First of all, agreed. He's way more talented than that program. But as you watch the film, 
you start to see similarities to Justin Fields' problems, which are getting off of number one receiver. And this is like, this is not me telling you alone. This is everyone who's ever scouted him. You look and you see a guy who they will, the coach, and he had an exceptional head coach. Let's remember this. Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Liberty, who was a head coach in the SEC where, like, was he at Mississippi? Who's this? Hugh Freeze. Yes, sir. He was at Mississippi playing against SEC talent, working with SEC level assistants, and then he takes that shit over to Liberty, and he's out coaching all these guys. So he knows how to scheme players open. And when you got a guy like Malik Willis who could just, I mean, he's got a fucking hose, dude. I mean, an absolute cannon. And then he has this awesome ability of when that first guy's not open, just take off and run like a friggin' son of a bitch and no one can catch you. <laughs> and it looks amazing. And when you say high ceiling, I'm like, well, sure, if you're just going purely off of athletic ability. Um, I'm sorry, but these are things, when I see that, that scares me. It scared me about Justin Fields and still does. And it scares me now because now you're talking about a kid who's like 20-something years old. And it looks like at still at this age... He has not learned to read defenses, and that's a friggin' problem. And it's not going to get easier when he gets to the NFL. It's going to get harder. So now you have, like, a kid in preschool trying to play high school football. Uh, good luck, dude. I'm just not there. I'm not there. Now, if you were just, if you were looking to, like, take him as a – I just – I hear people taking him as high as number four, uh, number two or whatever it is to Detroit. Or is Detroit number one? No, Detroit's number two, right? Yeah, Jacksonville's one. Bro. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're crazy. Now, I wouldn't. That doesn't mean I would take Kenny Pickett at number two, because I wouldn't. But I'm not taking Malik Willis anywhere near there. I if, just don't see it. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with something you said before about a third, fourth rounder or something like that. If this was a better draft class overall at the quarterback position, I think he could flew under the radar, and you might have got a steal on the third or fourth. That's round. possible. But since like now it's like a very watered down year. Well, yeah, and then you get teams that reach. Yeah, yeah, you get absolutely. teams that reach, and I, I think it's a mistake. Because, number one, I don't even care if you think he's the number one guy in this draft. That's fine. Nobody thinks he's ready to play next year. Nobody thinks that. I agree with and that. If and you're maybe, take maybe him a in year a top, after that. Yeah, if you're going to take him in a top 10, 10 pick and you're not going to play him at all, now you're going into year two of his contract, and you have no idea what you have on your hands. Yeah. So I'm just not there with that one. Um, what I have to laugh about, though, is that you mentioned uh, Carson Strong as your mm. foe number one. <laughs> I'm mentioning Carson Strong also, but as a surprise. You did uh, almost fall off your chair when I said <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you son of a bitch. Uh, you stole my thunder. Carson Strong played at Nevada. Carson Strong, no pun intended, has a very strong arm. Sure does. Carson Strong is 6'3", 226. He has a kind of Justin Herbert look about him. Like, he's big and strong. Now, there is zilch mobility. Like, nothing. He's Tom Brady in the pocket, dude. Mac Jones, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's staying in the pocket. Um, but, but what I wrote down, I wrote down three teams here, and there's others. Let's just say you have a quarterback that you know you, ha- you kind of have, but you're not sure how long you want him for. This is the guy to draft in maybe like second, third round, somewhere like that. Like you got to – it's hard to say where these guys are going to go because I it know. matters who goes before him. Like if all the – you know, let's say Malik Willis does go in the top ten and then so does Kenny Pickett. And then somebody job, jumps in in first round and takes Sam Howell. Now you're like, oh, shit. 
Carson Strong just became Which like he, a, a second round pick. But that's what makes the draft so great because you know teams have him second attention. or third on yes. their list. Can I steal so, him? So they could get it, like do like the Colts to back on Matt Ryan for totally. would be like unbelievable. In the it's second, actually a good round. pick because you know so Colts would be a good spot because you don't have to if you could get him in a second or third round he's cheap and you're not worried about that fifth year option, and you probably know you have Matt Ryan for two yeah. maybe three years at max right, right? but probably right. more like two more years. Great spot for him. I, I wrote down here Miami would be a good spot because it it's not really putting pressure on Tua, um, but yet he's there if Tua just goes Tua, you know, goes average or below average. I put Minnesota. I know they just gave him an extension, and I know they drafted the other kid from Texas A&M who I did like last year, but it sounded to me like they didn't love him very much. He didn't Kellen do, Mond. Yeah, Kellen Mond. Um, and it's not even Minnesota per se. It's that kind of place. You know, like maybe a Detroit sitting behind Jared Goff, who's been to a Good Super one, Bowl, learn from him, and then and then step in two years from now when Goff's contract is over. That might be a good spot. Dude, he gets so disrespected, Goff. It's unbelievable. It is a show. I, I, I try not to. I just know <laughs> I mean, how the how he's viewed. Yeah, and it is a shame. I, I mean, he got he went to a Super Bowl, you know. Say what you want about how much of it was on him. He's a quarterback that went to the Super Bowl. We don't take that away from Trent Dilfer, and we know that that was maybe the best defense in the history of the sport. So you know, um, I no. like the kid. He certainly is not ready to play. But go, I, I'll, I'll suggest to everyone who's listening, his name is Carson Strong, played for Nevada. Go on YouTube, just punch his name in, and watch the kid sling it. He has, like, stupid arm talent. It's a quick release, and it's 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 he's got a cannon, and he's accurate as shit. And what I like most about his accuracy is he's accurate downfield, down the seam. I like him a lot. I love coming up with, like, those kind of players. Like, you know, the guys we came up with, the top ones, they're kind of obvious. We may have them at it in a different order, but we know who the top five or six are. This kid, Carson yep. Strong, you know, we I, I take a little bit of credit for the kid um, who's down in Ritter? Houston. Oh. Now, uh, uh, Kellen, um, no, he plays for the Texans. Oh, oh, Mills. I think he went to college. Uh, Mills. Davis Mills? Yeah, Davis Mills. I take a little bit of credit for that because I remember when we were at this very point last year, I said, hey, listen, here's this kid, Davis Mills, number one player coming out of high school, had a couple injuries, but he's big, strong, strong arm, needs to be in the right spot, which frankly, I didn't think Houston was. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I still don't know if it is, but I like finding guys like that because it's frankly, it's more fun for us. And if you're right, it's, it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Sure. But I like sure. this kid. I like him. I wish he was a little more mobile. Because it's just becoming a more mobile league for quarterbacks. But he's, as far as arm talent, oof, my goodness. It is there. It is absolutely there. Let's go to... Wide receivers. Yes, sir. Wide receivers. The uh, the icing on the cake, we shall say, for NFL teams here. The, these guys are getting all the dough now. Other than quarterbacks, it's all about wide receivers. Bananas. It's amazing now. I will kick this one off. So I have... I have I will four guys down, and my my fifth guy is a sleeper. Mm, love sleepers. Uh, David Bell, 6'1", 210 out of Purdue. Watching him play a lot of Big Ten games. Unbelievable player. Two times all Big Ten, and that is with Ohio State guys, Penn State guys, yes. you know, big-time wide receivers. 93 catches in 2021. Great hands. He's getting Keenan Allen comparisons. He's a little shorter than Keenan Allen, but reliable. You see Keenan Allen go over the middle. I was saying, not the worst comparison in the world. He got knocked out against Notre Dame. He played the next week. Like, just a tough guy. Big fan. Someone's going to get a steal with him. He'll play 10, 12 years. Nice. 
Good call on that one. That's some Big Ten insider information right there. I wasn't even going there. I will actually stay in the Big Ten, and mine are like uh, 2 and 2B, two, 2 and 3. I think they're almost the same player, and I would be happy with probably either one of them. Uh, that's Alave and Wilson from Ohio State. Uh, they're going to have a hell of a time replacing these two guys at Ohio State. I'm sure they will, but they're going to have a hell of a time doing it. <laughs> I hope um, they do. They're both – Struggle with it. They're both what we would call like – I don't know about undersized, but they're neither one of them is big and neither one of them is thick. Like they're both about six six foot, 280. Oh, 280. Okay, that would be, that'd be serious. 180, <laughs> 178, 180, right in that range. Um, but they're, they're ball getters. You know, the ball's up for grabs, and they just find a way to get over, around, above the defender. They're touchdown machines, both of them. Both have good hands. Alave is a little bit better of a route runner than Wilson. Wilson's a little bit more of an over-the-top guy, uh, but it's six of one, half dozen the other, in my opinion. They they are so similar as players, um, and even the way they're built. And they're freaking productive. Uh, so those are those are my two. I think any team would be pretty happy with either one of these two guys. Uh, I have Olave at four. Um, I saw. I heard somewhere where he's the safest pick in the draft. He'll play a slot. A great, um, greatest hands. I think the, that makes some sense. Yeah. Um, best route runner in the draft. Um, eight straight games with a touchdown last year, which is pretty. Which is pretty damn productivity, good. man. Yeah. Um, and that's what a rookie and, quarterback. I get you know first year starter. A quarterback. Yeah. Number three for me is I got Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Uh, which is an Ohio State transfer, which is unfucking believable. It's incredible. Can you imagine if they were on the same team? The same? He couldn't get on the field. It's really why he couldn't get on the field. I think he tore his ACL in the championship game or the uh, or the semifinal, one of those two. It was near the end there, yeah. Um, deep threat to 4-3 speed, to break running away from corners yeah. on the highlight tape. Uh, again, he probably won't be fresh right out of the gate, but as the season <laughs> goes on, he'll probably get healthier and stronger. I have him um, as my number one. I like one. his game a lot. Yeah, yeah, I have him as my number one. And I think along the lines of what you're saying, because of the injury, I think there's a chance he might drop a little bit. Uh, when, when I say a little bit, I mean like a handful of picks. The Jets are picking at 10. Nothing would make me happier than to see them take him at number 10. I don't even know if he lasts that long. You know, ACL tears just aren't scaring people away the way they used to. And guys no. are coming back faster than ever. So the idea that he wouldn't be back, wouldn't be ready by the start of the season, I think that'd be tough. But it wouldn't surprise me if he is at the same time. You know, young, right. new technology. He's the real deal over-the-top speed guy in this draft. Um, you know what's interesting about this draft is everybody keeps saying, oh, it's a deep wide receiver draft, deep wide receiver draft. I'm not seeing that. Uh, I don't see that. I see a handful of guys at the top, and then I see – if they're all like nines and tens, they're not all nines and tens, but if they're all no. nines and tens, I think right after these first few that we're talking about, I think there's a drop to like a bunch of sixes and sevens. Like there's almost like no eights in there. It's just like really, really good. And then a bunch of guys that are we don't know much about, you know? Yeah, so. I don't know if it was um, Orlowski or someone else last week was saying that you can get a starter in like the sixth round. I don't see that It either. happens I'm all the you. time. Ugh. I just, when I saw, when I looked at 40 times, I'm not seeing these like, these real speedsters out there. And if they are, they're like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, it's like, well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for either. You're right. They, You always got the you exception got to the rule. Yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got them. But not multiple, I don't think, is what And you're I not meant. getting like, them all along the way either. Like, you know, you, you may go three <laughs> rounds where you don't get any. So I just, you know, I thought last year there was a bunch. Like, I thought there was significantly more near the top. 
that that we're going to be more productive. I, I'm I'm not seeing it, and and when we get to who I don't like, it may surprise some people, but it has to do with what I mean with this draft in particular. So, but I love Jamison Williams. It is really unfortunate that he got hurt, um, but it's going to help somebody because he's going to drop he's going to drop a little bit, and they're going to I th- I think they're going to get a steal with him. Agreed. Uh, number two for me, I know you're not a huge fan, and you might be hitting on this one in a little bit, but I'll uh, I'll jump in. Drake London out of mm-hmm. USC. Big kid, 6'4", 220. Yep. 88 catches, over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns in eight games last year with a quarterback that I can't name in a lineup. Correct. Uh, high school basketball star, very athletic kid. I, I, I watch him play a lot. You know, you're sitting on a couch having a bourbon, watching 10 o'clock Absolutely. football. 12 games, the best. I, I, I like him. I know he's coming off an injury as well. Uh, I think his knee as well is an ACL for him. I don't think he tore it. No. No. But I know they shut him down. Yeah, they shut him down. And he may have shut it down after that, knowing that he was going to go into the draft. And number one for me, you mentioned before, Garrett Wilson. uh, Watching him torment my Wolverines for for three years. Six foot 180, 4'440. Most complete wide receiver. I had that for Olave before I made a mistake. That's for Garrett Wilson. Great body control. One hand catches, turns around, he, he runs a comeback route great. So he's going to be a good pick. That uh, body control is huge time. in the NFL because you'll get a lot of guys that do like, um, you know, they'll throw behind the receiver. Yeah. And uh, you got to have body control to make that play. My hard no is Drake London. Um, mm. I don't see the guy. Any, there was a time that that kind of receiver was useful. We'll call him like a possession receiver. Or my comp for him is like a Keyshawn Johnson. Like there's no real deep threat there um he's big and kind of slow and i don't see a guy in the nfl that compares to him that's really successful like everybody has some speed everybody has like i heard him compared to um oh shit what's the dude for tampa mike mike evans mike evans i'm sorry i don't see that mike evans go, go blows by people all the freaking time yeah, he gets better off for speed. He's he's yeah. open a lot. He go he gets deep and gets by people. Like this kid can't really get by anybody. I just don't see it. I don't see the guy in the NFL. Like I'll look at the teams that are successful. Kansas City. Do you see a guy on Kansas City that's like a slow four six forty possession? Uh, I, I do even not. His t- even their tight end is has more speed than most <laughs> wide receivers. Right? They just got rid of Tyreek Hill. Like. You know, they're, they're, they're speed all over the place there. The Rams, they have any slow receivers? No. San Francisco have any slow receivers? Like, where are these big, slow guys that everybody loves? Now, now the, the thing to like about him, if you have a young quarterback, if you're Jacksonville, if you're Chicago, if you're um, Houston, this might be interesting for them. What you do like is the big catch radius, right? He's 6'4" with big long arms you don't have to be perfect with drake london okay so he's not a big yards after the catch guy or i don't think he will be in the nfl because he's not super elusive um and he's certainly not a deep threat but what you do like is he's kind of like a tight end at wide receiver he's kind of a safety net and it's kind of like just get it somewhere close to him even if you overthrow him a little he's just so big and so long and and he does have great hands um I just I just don't see that as being the guy as a first round pick in the NFL right now. I, I'm just hard pressed to see the guy that compares to him, big and slow wide receivers. I can't think of any. I really genuinely can't think of any big slow receivers in the NFL. Like there's no more Keyshawn Johnsons. That's that kind of player is not there anymore. Interestingly enough, also went to USC. So for me, Drake London not a first round pick for me. You know, 
later in later in draft. This is where it's a one. I say no. I'm talking like right, hard. Right. We're talking about the top players, so I'm not taking them as one of my top ten picks, fifteen picks. I probably wouldn't even take him in the first round if I'm being honest. The kid from Arkansas I like more. Both kids from Ohio Burns. State I like more. Yeah. The kid you just mentioned from Purdue. Um, Nah, and then you got to take into <laughs> account, you know, the, large, the the big catch radius. Okay, and he put up big numbers against Pac-12 defenses, which you won't see one Pac-12, you know, defensive back in the in the first three rounds of the NFL that, draft. That's a lie. Well, you're gonna get one the kid from Washington. Yeah, but anyway. just one one's more than zero. All right, it's one more than zero. Good call. <laughs> you got me. There's one. I take it back. <laughs> one out of ninety-six picks. Oh, I got you. Uh yeah, that's it on the wide receivers, buddy boy. Yep. Let's do, uh, how about our top defensive players? This is always fun. And you, I think you'll probably get a theme from both Scotty and I of, like, what really ends up being most important when it comes to, like, first-round defensive picks. So I'll let you start this off. We'll see if my theory holds true. I got number five, Trayvon Walker, defensive <sighs> end. Georgia, freak athlete. Dude. Reminds me a little bit of Javon Curse. Dude. Oh um, I have him as my up, number three. Flying up the drop boards here a little bit. Um, kind of disappeared in some games. He did. Which is odd for a guy that freaky. And well, it's the SEC. worrisome. It's worrisome. Yeah. Because you got to wonder, like, That's was why he I bored? Have him that low. Was he yeah. bored? Was he high? Was he disinterested? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I generally don't know. But uh, I have him as my number three. Four, 272 pounds running a 4540. Mm-hmm. That is how people get murdered like that is a missile scary shit super fast um national championship game he had seven pressures hello that's one fucking dude that's bananas all right this guy's scary the motor is what people are mostly concerned about you brought it up specifically about the idea of like he's not always red to go yeah Yeah. so but but athletically oh my god he's probably uh, as far as like uh, we'll call it like front seven. He's probably the most dangerous looking player in the front seven of all the guys that are here. Like just from an athletic standpoint. Yep. Yep. Number four for me, I got Ahmad Sauce Garner. Mm. Who might look good in green and white. We Ooh. will see. I don't know. We'll Six three, two hundred pounds. He never allowed a touchdown in his college career. Only 130 yards in 14 games in 2021. He's the epitome of a shutdown corner. Love him. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, obvious reasons. I, I I call him like TJ Watt 2.0. Like he has all the things that you that you want in a defensive end, and it also maybe more importantly is that never-ending relentless motor. Like we were just yep. talking, Trayvon Walker is a better athlete than Hutchinson. Trayvon Walker can't even like shine any light on in Hutchinson's just willingness, production. desire, production, yeah. like just. N- Every single play, every single play, the guy gets after it, period, end of story. And maybe most importantly is he really showed up big in the biggest games. Right. Um, maybe yep. not that. Maybe not the Final Four game. He wasn't as much of a factor. I think it was so much bigger than just him, though, so uh, the problems that Michigan had in that game. But you talk about the Ohio State game, like the conference championship game. The Iowa game, yeah. The guy just shows up big in big spots, but he shows up big all the goddamn time. He's – He's as sure of a sure thing as there probably is in this draft. Outside a couple of the offensive linemen that I might mention in a little bit, he's as sure of a sure thing as there is. 
especially on a defensive side. <coughs> For whatever reason, on the defensive side, it seems to me to be a little bit more of a coin toss on how guys are going to, you know, uh, turn out. But boy, yeah. this to me, it's just he's a he's he's a win. Period. End of story. Number three for me, Kayvon Thibodeau, 6'3", 250 from Oregon. Big frame, quick first step. Another guy lazy at times. Mm. And his question is, does he love football? That would also scare me picking the top ten. a tough question to have to oh, ask, right? Man. Do you love football? I just mm. – go ahead. I'm going to let you go again. Go ahead. Uh, number two, I got Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 220. Best tackler, I think, in the draft. This guy, he can play in a box. He can cover. He can yeah. pick. He's got good hands. Uh, the only problem with him is we've talked about this for weeks is you want to put all that into a safety. You know, safety is kind of it's a hard. dying breed in the league. I know you need them. I know some defenses, they're very important. But to pick a guy number two and pay him, like, it's it's risky. That's the problem for me. Yeah, it's totally the problem for me. Like, you can tell me who the best kicker in the league is, like, in college football is by far – and it doesn't mean I need to pick him with, take him with the second pick in the draft. It's not right. to say that safety isn't important. It is. But in comparison yeah. to like a corner, a defensive end, an offensive lineman, a quarterback, or a wide receiver, it pales. Yeah. I mean, I can make an argument that linebackers are more important than safeties. Like you can get away, you can get away with mediocre safeties if you have yep. good corners. You yep. can't get away with mediocre corners just because you have good safeties. Doesn't work the other way around. And you can get away with mediocre corners if you have a pass rush. Absolutely. Like the Giants did for years. And you can like... get away with mediocre <laughs> pass rush if you have great corners. <laughs> None of those equations have anything to do with the safeties. Safeties are—they're great to have. And if you're on the brink of being a championship team, it would be really nice to bring in a Jamal Adams. It would yeah. be really nice to bring in one of these elite safeties. But to draft one so high and then put yourself in that kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, that Jamal Adams situation three, four years from now, no thank you. It's just right, not right. that vital. Um, it's just not that vital to me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there. No way. Let's but he's great. I mean, he's great. No, he is. He's, no, he's great. He's fantastic. This is not a knock on him. It's about the position. Peter, especially if you're picking in the top five or ten, like this you're not, no you need other guys. Like oh you, my, there's other four positions. Like yeah, you're a five, you're a sub 500 team, probably very sub. <laughs> so you, you don't need safety is a luxury. Yeah. It's a yeah. luxury, dude. You probably need two, three offensive linemen. You probably need wide receivers. There's a good chance you need a quarterback. You probably need defensive linemen and linebackers. Safety is just it's last. It's one of the last yeah, things like, you end up getting. Like, even Palomalu was a mid-round, like, what, 12 or something? Yeah. Ed Reader was, like, 18. Like, those guys, yeah. like, legendary players. Yeah. But. So, unless you're going to think you're going to pull some crazy shit like Joe Douglas did and get a steal for Jamal Adams down the road, I don't know that that's ever going to happen again, but I just, you know. <laughs> he, he might he might have ended that <laughs> trend. Yeah, who knows what Pete Carroll was smoking on that day, but thank God he was if you're a Jets fan. So, uh, my number one, you already mentioned him, is Sauce Gardner. I genuinely believe him to be the best player in this draft. Um, I wouldn't, I'm not saying I would take him with the number one pick. I just think he's the best player. You mentioned the fact that he's never been scored upon. 6'3", 190, 195, 200, who knows. Yep. Super athletic, great ball skills, great hands. If he wasn't a corner, he'd probably be a wide receiver. I always like guys like that because they, they uh, tend to get those picks that some other guys don't. Um, and I, and for me, what was most impressive is that uh, he showed it against Alabama. Like you, they did not. They either didn't throw his way, or his guy just wasn't open. Like he just, right. and that's against the best. So 
Um, I say it all the time, and it sounds like no big deal. That game was 17-3 going midway through the third quarter. And a lot – they have a really good – I can't remember his name right now. They have a really good corner on the other side of the field. And both of these corners has a lot to do with why Cincinnati was as good as they were last year. Um, that would be Mr. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, he's really good as well. He's not sauce, but he's really, really good. But this kid is legit, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm super impressed with him. And from your lips to God's ears, if the Jets – Find a way to take them. I'm down. I'm not. I'm. I don't. It's not so sexy, but no, it's it's sexy. But to have that shutdown, I got, I got one last year, bro. It's sexy. Yeah, to have that <laughs> shutdown corner where you literally are kind of shutting down half the field, regardless yeah, of who good. the quarterback is, that yep. helps. And now you're in a division where you got Josh Allen, you got two with all kinds of weapons, um, you got Bill Belichick on uh, on the other side there. Also, you have three either good teams or good coaches or both, and. To be able to just shut down one side of the field is pretty fucking sweet. If you if you could shut down Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, and uh, well, Patriots, I don't know right now. They might get somebody, but who knows? Dude, that's huge. Yeah. That's freaking huge. Well, if or you know with, when it comes to the Patriots, you don't have somebody, so now you can really get creative. It gives you an opportunity to get creative. So Yeah, and he's and he can blitz from the corner. I've and seen he's blitz. Big. Yeah, he's yeah. exactly you make a great point there. He's big. He's not 5'9, 175. This is 6'3, 200. Yeah. He's a baller. He's a player. He's physical too. So yeah, I, I just I um I feel I still think Aiden Hutchison is corners are funny. Corners are funny, dude. They look like studs. The Jets have been in this position before. They drafted a kid out of Alabama who was supposed to be a no-brainer. He's not even in the league anymore. So who was it? Yes. Was it Miller? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Miller, Miller, um, first round pick too. Ugh, break your heart. Anyway, <laughs> so Aiden Hutchinson to me is the no-brainer. Uh, he's a guaranteed hit, but Sauce Gardner is right there. But I think he's actually a better player in general, like an all-around better player. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Number one for me, Aiden Hutchinson, six six two sixty out of my maze in blue. Highest graded defender. He's good against the run and the pass. Like you said before, the motor. He does not give up on a mm. play ever, <laughs> ever. Or any play. He does not take plays off either. Nope. Like Nope. He plays leader. every play to the end, and he plays every single play. Big-time leader, showed up in every big game. And then you could say with the Georgia game before, there was a lot of holding. They went against – they went away from him on yeah. a lot of plays. And that game um, was over before he would have even mattered. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, he became a legendary Wolverine, and I will be forever uh, indebted to him. I love the guy. I hope he plays 10 years and has a Hall of Fame career. Is he a senior? Yeah. Senior. Good. So he played there the whole time. And he came back after hurting his leg in uh, in COVID year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Last year. Um, my one guy to stay away from, you mentioned him. I think there's a lot of talent there. Don't get me wrong, but I just – he scares me, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Dude, um, really? I know. That competition thing bothers me. I, I just – I never like when you ask, does a guy love the game? Does he love the sport? And does he show up all the time? And then the other thing that bothers me a little bit – not as much, but it just it raises questions, that's all, is that he played in Pac-12. And he had one chance that he could have showed his talent against elite teams, and that was against Ohio State. It was the second game of the season. And he didn't play because of injury. Not his fault. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But uh, it would have been an opportunity to show what he's capable of against the best, and he didn't play. So I just... I have questions, I and I, I, I just look and I say, we're talking about top 10, top 15 picks. You need to be really friggin' sure. Like you, This has to be a home run. This has to be a starter, a 7- a, a to 10-year starter for you. And if he's not, it's a loss. Like, it's a wasted pick, frankly. 
if he's just a, a, a decent player. You know, Jadavion Clowney, I think Houston would look at that as like a lost pick, a wasted pick. He never panned out to be what he was supposed to be coming out of South Carolina. And there were some of the same questions of him as there are of two. You watch kid play? Fast, hard off the edge, strong as shit. You know, there's a lot there. And there's nothing wrong. You know, some of the people say, like, some of the complaints I've heard is that, you know, he's too worried about his brand. Well, dude, they're all worried about their brand. I mean, you know, <laughs> but do you show up on the field? Like, OBJ worries about his brand, but then he shows up on the field when he's got someone, that quarterback, that's not named Baker Mayfield. So... It's not so much that. It's just, you know, what you see. He takes plays off, takes games off. Like, it bothers you. And it only matters as far as, like, a top five, top ten pick. You know, that's that, – are you willing to, you know, invest in that? You know, if you knew he was – he had the motor of an Aiden Hutchinson and he was available at four, you'd be crazy as the Jets not to take right. him. You'd be crazy right. as Detroit not to take him. Like – the game is quarterback-centric, right? So what's your job? Get the quarterback, protect the quarterback, get somebody that gets after the quarterback, and get somebody that catches the ball and, you know, instead of the quarterback, your, your cornerback. So if he is, if he becomes what he has the potential to, look out. I, I just don't know. I have questions, and that scares me when it comes to top-ten pick. And, and, if you're pick, and there's other options there. There's, you know, other, there's other guys you can go exactly. to, so it's not. And if you're some of these teams like you just mentioned, if you're a top ten pick team, you have more than one need. You know, if you know, uh, I'm trying to think of who might be there. Like top ten, they're all they all kind of suck. You know, Giants have multiple needs. Jets have multiple needs. Carolina, Washington has multiple needs. Like Seattle now that you know they're, they're breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. you know. If you're the if you're the Jet, let's say you're the Jets or you're um, I'm trying to think of who else has multiple. All right, so New Orleans, New Orleans has Eagles. multiple picks. I think they traded. They might still, but New Orleans has multiple picks. I think one of them is like 18. Well, that might be a really interesting spot to pick them because you're not looking at that as like a top 10 pick. It's going to cost you millions and millions down the road. It's a, it's a, right. it's an interesting spot, but just a top five, top 10. Eh, I bristle at that just a little bit. So bristle. Do you have anybody else, or are you good? Um, that's it for me, pal. You okay, want to so hit on some linemen? I wanted to mention a couple linemen because, you know, when we talk about quarterbacks, if you look historically at quarterbacks who we thought were going to be good but then failed, so many times it has to do with the fact that that team was bad. That's why they were picking number one, number two, number three, a la the Jets, a la the Cleveland Browns, a la the Detroit Lions. And they never – it's always like surround the kid with talent, meaning wide receivers. And what you really need to do is protect the fucker. Like they, they're rookies, so it makes sense, you need right? to figure out a way to slow the game down for them. And just getting wide receivers doesn't help you. Look at what Detroit Lions did for years with Matthew Stafford. He constantly had weapons. They had tight ends. They had wide receivers. They had running backs. They had all kinds of weapons. They never had a good offensive line. Suddenly he goes to the Rams. You put a really great offensive line in front of him. Super friggin' bowl. So <laughs> I think it's important to surround younger players with great offensive linemen. And it's also great to let those linemen grow with the quarterback. Um, if you ask most offensive linemen what their number one thing they want to know about the quarterback is, is where he's going to be. Like, I just want, I need to know where I need to pass set, which just means like where I'm expecting the quarterback to be so that I know where I can guide my defensive lineman to. And if you, and sometimes that takes time. That could take yep. years. You know, uh, one thing that's great about having a very statuesque Tom Brady, Carson Strong type quarterback is that you know exactly where he's going to be. So you know exactly where not to let your guy go. 
okay? While it's great to have mobile quarterbacks, Johnny Manziel is a pain in the ass because you never know where the hell he's going to be. And as an offensive lineman, that fucks you up. You don't yep. know where to guide your, you know, where you can send your D lineman. So offensive linemen are important. There's a rare case this year of a of a first round center. Uh, you probably seen him play a lot this year. He's Mr. Lindenbaum? Mr. Lindenbaum. Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. I would actually even say he's a top 20 pick. It's very, very rare that you see a center take taken in a top 20. Don't be too surprised if you see the Jets trade down from 10 to like 16, 17, 18, pick up multiple picks, and then take him there. That wouldn't Oof. shock me at all. That would be that would be good. And here's why I say that. We could talk about this more next week when we do like our little mock. Well, American draft. high school wrestler, if I'm not mistaken. Right? If you look at the Jets historically, let's say the last 20 years, they're really great years. Uh Kevin Mawai was their center. And um oh my um Mangold was their center. Nick Mangold. Okay. Yeah. And you say, well, it's not the most important position. Well, you're right, but that's kind of like the, wrong. the point guard of your <laughs> offensive line. He's the one who communicates all the calls. And this kid is legit. Like he's by a long shot the best off, uh, best center in the in the uh, in college football. He's one of the best linemen period in college football. So that's one to keep your eye on if your team is looking for a center. Tyler Lindebaum, you don't normally see centers taken high. You, you you probably will see him go pretty high. And then it just comes down to like tackles. You know, tackles are like, you know, kind of the sexier picks of the offensive linemen. So I'll give you a few here. I'm going to mess this name up. Is it Ikem? Ikem? Ikem Aquanu? Ikem. Ikem Great. He, he could play both sides. You could even move him to guard if you had to. Wolfpack. Yeah, NC State Wolfpack. Um, Evan Neal, Alabama. Listen, they produce one of the better tackles every single friggin' year. You know, he was, you know he was coached up well. You know he's going to have great footwork. They always work when they come out of Alabama. This is a name I'm going to give you that I didn't know about. Uh, Charles Cross, Mississippi State. He's the top tackle on uh, on Pro Football Focus, which surprised the shit out of me. His grading isn't the top, but somehow they still have him at the top. Regardless, he's good. Um, so you're going to want to like keep an eye on him if you're a team looking for a tackle. And then finally, I'll give you one more. Kind of a small school. Mm, sounds interesting. Love when these guys come out and they show out. Bernard. Oh, my God. I'm going to say his name wrong. Rayman, Raymond, Raymond. Am I saying it wrong? I'm I don't know. I have it right now. Raymond, yeah, R A I M A N N. Ninety-four point six uh, grade, PFF grade, which was third best among uh, amongst offensive linemen this year. Obviously, the question is, you're playing at Central Michigan, so you're not playing the same competition. So, does that grade equate? But he played really well at the Senior Bowl. Don't be surprised to see him taken pretty high too. These are guys that matter. These are not Who's hot the picks, blow you away. But when your team is doing well and you're like, God, we haven't had, a, we haven't been sacked in three weeks. It's not your quarterback. Totally, it's your, it's your offensive lineman. Who was the guy from Central that went to the Chiefs? Fisher. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, he was great. Yeah, good. Yeah, he'd still I mean, be there if he didn't like tear his Achilles two years ago. Oh yeah, remember that? Yep. I don't you're even right. think he played this past season. That's what killed the Chiefs' uh, Super Bowl yeah. chance. Yeah, they yeah. lost two. They lost Schultz too. Was that was that or was it or Schwartz? Sounds about right. Something like Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah. They lost two of their starters, and that didn't help. That's for you sure. Put your Schwartz up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got a little bit of NFL news, or potentially know, on the horizon. NFL yeah, news. some strife going on on the West Coast here. Debo Samuel apparently is not happy. With the San Francisco 49ers, and he has 
I'll say requested. I don't know that you can demand a trade, but he has certainly requested a trade. What do you think? What happened now? Well, he hasn't said exactly what it looks which is, like. Which is, which is more theory. Like, right, so what, let me like, start off with this. From what I ahead. heard, you know, he wants a new contract. He's not. His contract isn't up. And San Francisco isn't even, like, talking to him. They made an offer, but then that was it. Like he he declined the offer, and there's no there's no negotiations going on. Is that the biggest deal in the world? No, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But what I'm what I'm starting to hear, and what I kind of figured in the first place, is something that we like about Debel Samuel. He doesn't particularly like, which is his versatility. Um, and and let me say this: normally I'm just like screw you, you're a player, do what you. I get it, I get it, and you'll understand why. So as we talked about. They line him up at slot. They line him up at X, split out. They line him up as a – they'll do speed sweeps with him. But they also line him up at tailback and just run like, you know, power dive. Yep. And and he looks great. Well, he doesn't really like that. And why? Because the durability issue, right? Like he's taking a fucking beating. And it's his value on the wide receiver market too. Of course. And, you know, it's going to shorten his career. And oh, yeah. it's like, well, are you a wide receiver that's worth $25 million? Or are you like a kind of slash player that's worth fifteen? Right. So, and you can say, well, 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 why would why couldn't you be both? Well, if you look at the first <laughs> half of the season, he was the leading receiver on the San Francisco 49ers this year. And if you look at the second half of the season, he was not. He was the like third or fourth choice. They were throwing more to Brandon Ayuk. They were throwing to Kittle more. Now, granted, Kittle was hurt in the beginning of the season, so that's going to have something to do with it. Um, but they were also handing the ball off to him more, and he didn't particularly like that. I I get this. I totally understand this. So the the solution to this for San Francisco is you have to pay him like a wideout, even if you're going to use him as a running back. Um, I don't know what kind of numbers they threw at him, but I get that. I get what his complaint is. Definitely. And, um, um, but I also get like, you know, we're here to win. You're you're you were a couple plays away from a Super Bowl. You know, if you could have ran for a touchdown, wouldn't you like to have done that and be like, you know, Super Bowl hero kind of thing? So it's a catch-22. But I, as far as contract, money, career, I get what he's talking about. I, I don't – I really – I haven't heard any kind of response from San Francisco on this. I don't I don't know that they're saying screw you or they're playing hardball with that. So I don't I know. haven't heard a peep out of yeah. them. I think they're probably playing it smart right now. Um, would the, you trade number 10 for him? Yeah, this is the interesting part, right? Because Debo Samuel plays for San Francisco 49ers, and you have the Jets offensive coordinator. Mike LaFleur was a wide receivers coach or quarterbacks coach, whatever the hell he was over at San Fran. And obviously Robert Sala, who's the Jets head coach, was the defensive coordinator at San Francisco. And you say, well, seems like an easy transition. Well, what's interesting about that is those guys know exactly how they use Debo Samuel. And wouldn't they consider using him exactly the same? So he might not right. necessarily be thrilled yeah. with that. And this is kind of the idea of like, well, Aiden Hutchinson should go to Detroit. He's played in Michigan. So Detroit's a natural fit. And it's like, well, it it doesn't really go that uh, way. Yeah, right? I know. It, doesn't. Like, it sounds romantic and all, but it really doesn't work that way. Um, I don't know that the Jets would want to do that. I don't. If you're asking, would I give up a number, the number ten pick? No, because whoever their number ten pick is, you're going to pay him about four million dollars, three or four million a first year. It'll escalate over the next four years, but he's kind of cheap. Um, and I'd rather have a Jamison Williams than than Debo Samuel for twenty five. Right. You know what I mean? For an average of twenty five per year. So I would not give up 
uh, I would not give up the, the four or the ten. I would give up some other combination. They almost had Tyreek Hill without giving up our first-round pick. It was just that Miami came in late, including a first-round pick. But it was yep. going to be like multiple twos, multiple whatever. It was going to be. It was still going to be five picks, but it was going to be not nearly as valuable. So, uh, and no. I think he'll, and I, I think he'll maybe a better fit for you guys than Samuel too. Who would? Tyreek Hill would have been a better fit. I, I think, don't know because guys. we already have like two guys that are very similar to him. Uh, we have Elijah Moore, yeah. and you have and you won five games. Yeah, I understand. I think there's bigger problems. See, I, that's see, why, I think yeah. I think Elijah Moore is more comparable to Debo Samuel. To be honest with you, that's my opinion. Well, Samuel's a lot bigger than than Moore is. Is he? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He's oh. a six foot plus guy, or six foot six one. You know, I like Debo Samuel. I don't know that I like him as a wide receiver only. And when I say I don't know, I don't mean like I don't think I do. I mean I genuinely don't know. Like if he was only to line up at wide receiver, is he still as so, – do we still like him as much as we liked him this season because of his versatility? So I, I had know. him in fantasy. I had him in fantasy. Yeah. And he was great all year. So sure. I, my, my, he was putting up great numbers. So that was before he even went to running back. So I think he could be a, just a valuable wide receiver. Yeah. And that's what Jimmy G don't forget either. Yeah, I like Jimmy G. So yeah, but I know. What I you're don't saying. hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know hate what you're him. Saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's not Peyton Manning. Yeah, correct. It's not Justin Herbert. It's now, interesting. Now, it's now, a big now, price, though. It's a big now, price. Now, if the Packers could work out some kind of deal with There's that, no would be way the money is there. Yeah, where's the money? And, 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 and why and, would San Fran do that? And I don't think they would trade him in the NFC either. I was telling that to. Well, it's not yet. just the NFC. It's like another contender. You know, you might trade him to like the Bears. Who gives the Bears? The Bears. You know, but who, who gives a shit about the Bears? But man, has Chicago become where wide receivers go to die? Oh my god! Well, it's because that's where the, the bad, bad quarterback quarterbacks play. are. You know, and bad God, I was listening to ESPN in the morning. Of course, Keyshawn J. Will. And Why it, do you keep doing that to yourself? Because there's nothing else. It's what's available. It's six o'clock in the morning. That's what's available, my friend. Listen to Stern. You're still sleeping. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing research. So I'm listening to these idiots. Oh, okay, big man. <laughs> I'm listening to these idiots. And then, yeah, Justin Herbert, really. Uh, not Justin Herbert. Justin Fields. He, he's going to make a big leap this year. Gonna, and I'm like, oh, what? You're just so stuck on what you want as opposed to what you see. Just forget about what you want. This is the. This is why I can tell you I would. I have high hopes for Zach Wilson, but I don't. I can't put it anywhere there yet. Like, this is what I see. Like, I see what I see. You know, there's some things I like. There's a lot that makes me nervous. Be honest. There are highlight plays that you get from Justin Fields. And then the rest of the time, you're like, the guy can't even throw a five yard out with any accuracy. What are you watching? I don't and you're going to blame that on Nagy? On Matt Nagy that the kid can't throw a five yard out? Or that he can't read defenses? Is that also what's his face is co the head coach of Ohio State? Is that his fault too? Is it every coach's fault? Is any of this on the player? Do we ever are we ever going to look at the player and say, you know what, he's just not good enough? Oh, I only with Trubisky though. Trubisky is the only one that we'll be honest <laughs> with, right? And then I say this year, I, uh, Robinson isn't even there with Chicago. Who's he throwing to? Like, it's going to be a miserable Some year. Some guy named Daryl Mooney, I think. Or it's going to be a miserable year for Justin Fields. Plus, it's his second year. So, it's his three coaches in three years now for him. Take it from me. It's not comfortable. Like, it sucks. 
just language alone, the, the communication alone, you have to learn the language and it's hard. So he's starting from scratch again. So I would say, again, you can't really fully judge him based on what you're going to see this year. No talent, shitty offensive line, no wide receivers, new coach, and he's not great. Uh, good luck. Like, I heard them talking like, oh, you think the Jets would switch with Justin Fields and, and Zach Wilson? No. Why would no, they do that? No, no, no. Last three games, last, what was it? Last five games of the season, Zach Wilson threw six touchdowns and one interception. If you remember in the beginning of the season, I said to you, I said, what I want to see is improvement as the season goes on. I don't expect this team to be good. This is a team that the Jets almost beat Tampa Bay. By the way, who was the fourth highest rated red zone quarterback in the NFL last year? Zach Wilson. Fourth highest rated quarterback rating in the NFL in the red zone. Zach Wilson. Doesn't turn the ball over in the red zone and, and creates touchdowns. These are the things you would like to see out of your out of your rookie. Did you see that out of Justin Fields? You saw nothing out of Justin Fields. You're like, oh, there it is. You see that? That's where we're going to get more of that. More what? The running? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can rest on that if you'd like to. Okay. NBA playoffs are in full bloom and blossoming well, and there are injuries. There are strange stories. Uh, it's it's total chaos. What do so, you th- what do you think so far? So first thing I want to say is the NBA playoffs to regular season is a different universe. It's just ridiculous. Oh my it's god! It's ridiculous. I'm finding myself watching a lot of NBA playoffs where yes. I watch. It's it's a good product. Oh it's my a good god! Why? Because they're playing hard. The NBA regular season it might as well just be called. They should just have preseason and then playoffs because the NBA regular season is just totally unwatchable. It's bad. But this what you're watching right now, stars playing like stars. Everyone playing hard on every possession, yep. hard fouls, physical basketball, like defense matters, mid-range shots. You can take your uh, analytics and throw them out the window because your know, Chicago Bulls just beat um, the Bucks and DeMar DeRozan, who's not a three-point shooter, was a huge part of that, and he's a mid-range shooter. Suddenly the mid- in the playoffs, the mid-range jumper matters. In the, in the regular season, nobody <laughs> gives a shit, right? It is funny. We talked about this with baseball, and we'll get to the Yankees and some baseball in a minute, but like how analytics matters over 162 games, but when it comes down to a five- or seven-game series, you can you can shove your analytics right up your ass because it's, it becomes situational. It's all like, what do you need right this minute? Sometimes you just need a basket. You don't need what the, right. the highest percentage is or whatever. You need a hoop, dude. You need to stop the other team's momentum. So, Big men dominating so far. Yeah, Embiid is showing himself to be worthy of uh, league MVP. I would have voted yeah. for him anyway. Um, I'm down here in South Jersey, so I'm a little biased probably. Not that I'm a, uh, that I'm a Sixers fan, but I get to hear about him a lot and what he's doing. And this is as dominant – we have to really be honest about this. He's as dominant a big man as we've seen in the NBA. Now, the NBA used to be dominated more by big men. They used to be more post players. Um, he, But what I mean by that is he's a physical presence on the inside – he plays really great on the block with his back to the basket, a little fade away, power, moves, all that stuff. But he's also able to shoot the threes. Like nowadays it looks like all centers are just three-point shooters and, you know, Nikola Jokic, Jokic over there in Denver. Embiid is – dude, he's unstoppable. I'm glad you brought up Jokic. He, I was watching the Warriors games. He is getting pounded. Oh, my and God. He's, and he's unbelievable. Well, I, don't, I, I don't watch many Nuggets games, as you would imagine. Sure. He is – 
awesome. He's a one man gang out there too right now. I was like, just going to say there's so many if injuries. You had some help, yeah, there's that team is just bereft of any kind of talent right now. They're all banged up, and no, no, all their starters are out. But I mean, he's a really good player, but he's a more modern, excuse me, uh, a more modern type center playing a perimeter. Don't clog up the middle. Don't get the ball in the low post with your back to the basket. Embiid does both. Embiid is, I mean, he's and and what you have to like about him, give him some credit. If you remember early in his career, there's a lot of injuries. There were concerns about his weight about his fitness, about his willingness to put in the work and be ready to last an entire season. And two straight seasons now, uh, you, you can really make an argument, especially this season, you can make an argument that he's the most dominant player in the NBA. Uh, yep. Giannis would take a, would have a shot at that title. Um, Kevin Durant, of course. But Kevin Durant, speaking of which, he's been shut. He, okay, shut down is going to be strong. We're going to take that. I'm going to take that one back. He has been managed. Uh, he still scored 27 last night, but you know what? 27 isn't going to be enough because him and Kyrie Irving are really the only two real talented players, you know, scorers on that team. Jason Tatum blocked a shot multiple times. When's the last time you seen Kevin Durant get his shot blocked? Oh. Okay. Like, wow. So Celtics, what an interesting story. This team was outside the playoffs a third of the way to uh, just under halfway through the season. And they basically, not basically, they have the best record in the NBA the rest of the season. Dude, they're a two seed. It's crazy. It's insane. They went from like a 10 to a two in like two months. It was really something else. You know you know who I give a lot of credit there too? I give Al Horford a lot of credit. Sure. Veteran guy. I think he grabbed Tatum and Brown and said, listen, cut the bullshit. You guys are two great players. And they've, they've been unreal ever oh. since. I think you're probably right. Isn't it interesting how somehow it always comes down to that like – Senior leadership, experienced leadership, yeah. veteran leadership, the Chris Pauls, the Al Horfords. You need that guy on your Udonis team. Haslam, like it took it took Milwaukee getting a Drew Holiday to kind of be mm. a grown up in the room and say, like, this is what we need to do. Like, you see that a lot, right? You can't just put talent together. There needs to be a grown up who's a leader that just like takes everybody by the hand and says, Let's go. This is what we need to do, or this is what you need to do. This is what we need from you. You Andre Iguodala type of guy. Like, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just going to mention Draymond Green. Like, Draymond Green is kind of that, you know, that player for Golden State who doesn't necessarily have the stat line, but he's as important a player as there is on the court for Golden State because he is their leader, you know, and it's important. They take their cue from him, and to have a guy like that is is huge. Um, couple real interesting and vital injuries. Looks like uh, – Devin Booker is going to be out two to three weeks now. Yeah, it's and bad. they're already in a in a in a dogfight with New Orleans. I suspect they would still win the series, but two to three weeks is not two to three days or two to three games. That could be a whole nother series. Uh, Although when he went out of that game, the Pelicans. Yeah, but Ooh. you know what? There's a shock factor when you lose your star in the middle yeah, of a game. That's true. Now you have that's a couple true. days to practice and adjust and do your thing. So I suspect. Um, I suspect that uh, Phoenix will come out and, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. This happens all the time in the NBA. This happens all the time in sports. You get a guy, a star gets hurt. So it happened in baseball. happens a lot in basketball, sometimes in football also. A star gets hurt and you're like, oh, shit, they're screwed. Hockey, this happens all the freaking time. Guy gets hurt. Star gets hurt. He's out for two to three weeks, sometimes more. 
Um, the team really plays their balls off for like three, four games, and you're like, oh, they're going to be fine without him. And then it goes then it goes south because you realize, <laughs> well, they're not as good without their star. Um, so I think you'll see Phoenix play really well probably for the rest of the series and probably win this series. But if he's out longer than this series alone, I mean, he's their top scorer, you know? So that's that's a big ask. Once you get into the second and third round, that's a yeah. big ask to go without your top scorer. I just, you know. Speaking um, of the Warriors, dude, if they get hot, look out. Yeah. And, and then it looks like they're on that way. Yeah. And and then when you take into account these injuries that we're talking about, if Booker's going to be out and if Golden State gets to take on Phoenix without their best player or second best player, you know, depending on what you think of Chris Paul, that's huge. Oh I mean, it's freaking huge, right? I mean, this is kind of why the Lakers won three years ago, whatever it was, two years ago, um, because they ended up playing teams without their stars. And it's like, oh, yeah, great job. So, yeah, that may, and it matters, it, and it still counts. You know, this is what Toronto did, right? Toronto, a couple years ago with Kawhi Leonard, they ended up playing a couple teams that had injuries, and it's like, well, you know, they played this team without this one, and they played the Warriors without Clay, and they played the – get the championship. That's all that matters, you know? So, yep. yeah, the, the, the stars could be – and, oh, by the way, Golden State's playing really well. That helps. You know, yeah, they're, sure they're, they're playing very, very well, and they're healthy – they're fully healthy for the first time since like the first twenty games of the season. Dude, they had a lineup on the floor the other night. I don't think there's a guy over six seven, and they were, dude, it was bananas. Yeah. Like they were just pouring in points. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. It's hard to keep up with it. Now it's hard to play defense if it ends up being a half court game like that. Yeah. But Middleton got hurt last night too. Uh, he's a guard for uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. This to me, this could. This could be a bigger problem for for Milwaukee. Um, he's so Giannis is great. Okay, Giannis is great, but he's limited. Okay, he's not really like a great shooter. Whereas Chris Middleton kind of fills that need for like the scorer, the three point guy, the outside shooter. And without him, uh, I actually think they're in more trouble than the Suns might be without. Cory Booker. The Suns have other ways. Devin, of, Book, Devin Booker. Devin, what did I say? Cory Booker. Cory Booker. Yeah, okay, that, senator from New Jersey. The New Jersey <laughs> senator. Asshole. Um, I think he's more vital uh, because, and, and he's also more of a leader on on Milwaukee than Booker is on Phoenix. Yeah, the leader of definitely. Phoenix I is totally Chris Paul. And while Giannis is the best player on that team, Chris Middleton is kind of like the glue, the man, the glue on that team. So that could be a huge thing. It is funny, though, these injuries, you know, um, it reveals teams. It's, it, 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 it's, a, it's an issue that has to be dealt with. It's kind of unfortunate because you like to see, like, you want to see the best players on the court at all times and, like, really get an idea of who the best, who the best team is. And, but yeah. It's the way it goes, man. It's just a matter of who's going to take advantage of it. Are the Correct. Sixers the type of team that could take advantage of it? you got a guy like Maxi who has been playing like out of his mind since James Harden has come over. Man. And uh, they're now they're healthy, relatively. Harden is interesting right now. He's – I don't know if this is – an he has aged. I don't know if this is Doc Rivers saying, dude, you don't need to score 40 a night. He's a little more of a facilitator right now. Um, but – they look dangerous as shit. Like yep. Sixers look really good. And when you got a guy on a court like Embiid that nobody, there's nobody in the NBA who matches up with him. Nobody. There's nobody, period. He will score 35-40 a night no matter what. Um, they're dangerous. 
they're very dangerous. So we'll see what happens with that. But I agree with you 100%. The NBA playoffs are, 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 are actually kind of fun to watch. It's kind of fun to watch. Total opposite of the regular season. Regular season is it's, it's brutal, nuts. dude. It's brutal. The only thing I don't like, and I know it's all money. I know it's all. Blood. We don't need three days in between games, guys. This this is it's unbelievable. Embarrassing. It really Come is. on, one is hey, fun. Boston and New York. I know it's a four-hour fucking bus ride. You need three it's, days in between. It's absurd. No, it's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. One day is plenty. But Come that's on. me getting old and cranky. Anyway. Yeah. What do we know? Yeah. Well, you wanted to talk some baseball. I don't want to, but I feel like I have to. It's the oh, first Yankee rant of the year. It's official. Baseball season is here, and Scotty's not happy with the Yankees. Let me hear it. We, we are three weeks in. Seven and five, by the way. Not the worst. No. Not the best. You can't go into Baltimore, who's a fucking high school team. Oof. Lose two out of three. Your lineup looks dead. This is the same team from last year Dude. okay and michael k is going on and on they have a new shortstop they have a new catcher they have a new th- michael the the direction of the team is the same let's wait for the three on homer let's not be exciting let's let's use every bullpen arm let's kill them but by memorial day yeah. it's the same process of, of how they're going about baseball it's not the same team dumbass it's the same process joey gallo is awful He's awful. He's four for like. Did you say 28? Joey Gallo? It's Joey, Joey Gallo. C A L L O. Sorry, I had to. Nice. Every time I hear that name, I got to do it. <laughs> well done. Two Utes. Um, <laughs> I, I love that goddamn movie, man. <laughs> Jesus. This guy, and and you heard, he's gonna run into one. He's a he's a great. Well, he walks. He's a great outfielder. I haven't seen shit out of nothing. Yeah. I'm sure he's a great guy. Love to have a beer with him. I don't want him on my baseball team. Yeah. Bye. Um in fact I'd rather have a beer with him than have him on my baseball team. What, can I'll we watch too. can we have a uh, beer yeah. while we're all watching the game that he's not playing in? That'd be nice. He can sit next to me in my seats tomorrow night. Yeah. I'll buy him whatever beer you want. <laughs> um This everyday shuffling the lineup is is bananas. And I think I mentioned this last year. When I would sit at in my dad's den when I was a kid, it was the same lineup. Day in, day out. More or Peter less. two, O'Neill three, Bernie four, Posada five, so on and so forth. It was you know where you're, you go, you get to the ballpark, you know where you're gonna hit. This sitting roulette they're doing is bananas to me. It you can't weird. get on a roll. You you played sports. There's Alex Rodriguez. Every chance he gets, he says these analytics don't understand. They never play the game if they don't think hot is a thing. Look what because hot is not a look, thing. Hot look, is look. just a, a number. It's just it's just yeah. it's just an aggregate I mean, thrown in. That's all. It North, and hot is just what changes the number to a better number. North Carolina basketball, as Mike Dean knows more than anybody, for sure. They got hot and what almost won the whole damn thing as an eight seed. It's a thing. Absolutely. This is ridiculous to me. And then Boone's going, oh, it's keeping everybody healthy. Who gives a Dude. shit if you're not winning? Dude, it does. exactly. <laughs> Anybody could lose in a first round. I don't, I don't understand. Game. So, so fitness, fitness and science is better than ever. Medical science is better than ever when it comes to treatment and everything like that. These guys are bigger and stronger and smarter than they've ever been. And suddenly, for the first time in history, these guys can't play an entire fucking season. They can't play. They I can't don't play get it. NBA players, there's too many goddamn games. And uh, 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 major league baseball players, I, they, they need rest. What? 
You don't even run 99% of the time in baseball. You don't even run. What are we talking about? It's bad. Is it too difficult to swing a bat? Is it too hard to throw? Are you running out of gas, throwing a ball to second base from left field? What is this need a break thing? I don't get it. If you go 0 for 4, you didn't even reach first base. So what are you tired from? (laughs) It makes no sense to me, dude. And if, had, if you had 162 NFL games, I'd fucking get it. You need a break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's crazy about this is hockey players don't take days off. They play almost as many games, and it's a significantly more physical game. And they're moving way more than baseball players and basketball players. They don't take days off, like nope. ever. In fact, they lose. They, lose they, they get their teeth knocked out by a puck in the second period, and they're back in the third period with, with false teeth. Like, what are we talking about? LeBron, in the f- most physical fit guy who spends a million dollars a year on his body. This is his quote. And I spend a million dollars between food and... And you need days off? The fucking my landscaper doesn't need a day off. That son of a bitch is out there 95 heat every week. Doesn't matter. Boom. Got to cut that lawn, baby. You need a day off, pal? Yeah, don't get paid. Like, I don't get it. Come yep. on. It's baseball. It's freaking baseball. The Yankees also have become scientists on ruining players now. Glaber Torres, another one, when they, when they got him six, five, six years ago in the, in the Chapman deal, uh, this guy's going to – we came up uh, the first superstar. year and a half. He was unbelievable. He is. This is a budding superstar. Cameron Maben was doing the game this afternoon, and he noticed something. Glaber's like swinging out of his shoe. Like his when you're, when you're be a tall, home run. When you're tall when you're eight years old. Squish the bug, the back leg, right? Back foot, stay steady. Yep. His leg, back leg's flying out of there. Level swing. Yeah. We've said this. I've said this to 100 buddies that want to listen to me with these fucking rants. He should be a foul line to foul line hitter. You have enough guys that hit the ball what fucking 500 he? feet. What do you mean he? They. They I know. all should. I know. I know. Come on. What are we talking about? I know. I- this is what we were talking about when they had a rule. You know, they were ta- discussing the rule of whether or not you can uh, have a shift. Did they ever, did they pass that? Are you allowed to shift? Next, this year, I think next year that's going to go into... Uh, Dude, because somebody thought they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Here's an idea. Hit it the other hit way. Hit it You're not. a goddamn professional baseball player. You don't know how to hit no. the ball to the opposite field? What the hell? What are we talking about here, folks? Mark Teixeira, every fucking radio show he's on. Oh, it ruined my career. Hey, Mark. You weren't always like that. You're a switch hitter, you dickhead. Figure it out anyway. Like, you oh can hit God. from both sides of the plate, but you don't know how to hit the opposite uh, field. It's 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 it's. You're so blessed by God that you can hit either way. Like, oh, just you know, put me on either In side. In the major I'm fine. leagues, dude. What are we talking about here? It, Go look at Mark Teixeira when he was playing for. What was it the Rangers or was it California? Mm-hmm. Or was it Rangers, mm-hmm. right? Dude, the guy hit the ball opposite field. I used to say this about Giambi all the time. He was a gap-to-gap hitter all the time. Why? Because that goddamn stadium was huge, and you're not going to hit bombs out of there. Right. A lot of them. He was gap-to-gap. Be a pro. It's ridiculous, man. Be a freaking pro. It's it's actually embarrassing that they needed to come up with a rule because you're so pathetic you can't hit the ball the other way. I get a nine-year-old to do that. I go, hey, 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 Jimmy, where where on the field are there no players? Uh, Over there. Hit it over there, and he does it. You're, you make $30 million a year Amazing. and you don't know how to hit it over there? <laughs> oh, my God. It's emba- it's actually embarrassing that they came up with a rule. I don't want to do this every week. And, I, I'm, and I'm sure they'll get hot and they'll go on a streak where they win 13 out of 14. Of course they will because that's analytics. Uh, but it's 
listen, my brother was so I was talking last night. He goes, I, he goes, I can't watch it. I'm That's flipping around. That's the problem. It's, it's a bad product. We've is. said this a million times. I'm going to say it again. In a, in a sport that is not fast-paced, okay? In the NFL, you can see that, like, analytics are having an effect on how much they throw the ball and whether or not they go for it on fourth down. But it's a fast-paced sport, and I can forget what happened in the first quarter by the end of the first quarter because there's already been a shitload that's happened since. Baseball is a, and even in the NBA, you can get past some of these analytics things because it's a kind of, it's a pretty fast-paced sport. And somebody just 360 dunked and somebody just hit another three and somebody just blocked a shot into the third row. Baseball is slow. It's a grind. It's a tough watch regularly. And now you're going to take away from it the stuff that at least makes it interesting, like bunts and stolen bases and singles and hit and runs. And it's like timing and ballsiness. There's no risk involved. It's just like, you know what I mean? Stealing a base is a risk. Hit and run is a risk. It's all been eliminated. Bunting is a risk. It's all been eliminated, and now it's just swing for defense to see what happens. And it's a bad product, and there's a reason that nobody shows up at the fucking games, dude. It's boring as shit. I wouldn't want to spend three hours there. It's just boring and expensive. I'm going to my first game tomorrow. Enjoy. Um, thank you. Um, my buddy Tyler, who is the avid listener of the show, um, thanks, he's Tyler. bringing his pop. He's bringing his pops. That's the NBA G League ref. By the way, thanks, Tyler. And you're not one of the stupid people that I was talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> nobody is. Not our listeners. I think he's, he's bringing his pops tomorrow, and his pops is his. His dad's one of the greatest people, and he's. They're giving away like a light sweatshirt tomorrow. First eighteen thousand fan. Nice. And he's going. Tell us, ask Scotty. What time? What time should I get into the game? I go. Well, listen, it's an April game. They're playing the Guardians. The, the, they stink. I go, dude. You could probably get in there like six thirty. You'll be fine. And he's going. You're nuts. You're not. There's nobody there. I go, dude. Believe me, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. You're gonna get. You could take. You could take six at the end of the day. There's gonna be no. They might not even have eighteen thousand fans there. Oh, which is crazy. It's a Friday night. Friday night. It's gonna be a beautiful oh, day. It's so yeah, it's gonna be good. The weather's gonna be gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. be in the seventies. It's just it's 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 sad. It really is. It's sad. unfortunate. And and let's be honest. Uh, you know we're killing the Yankees, but it's because we're both Yankees fans. We're on the East Coast. It's not just the Yankees. It's the sport. The whole sport has gone very analytics. It's just not fun. It's not interesting. It's not a fun watch. Uh, it just is what it is. So I don't see it changing though. I don't. I don't, I don't either. See it and I'm a, it's going to take a bold yeah. a bold GM to go in a different direction, but. It's not happening today, and we're gonna have to, uh, you know, put up with it. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, it's either, it's either that or not watch it. So that's it. It's- By the way, just real quick because we got to get going. Jordan Spieth won the RBC. Jordan Spieth has become a modern day Seve Ballesteros. So for you young cats out there who have no fucking clue who Seve Ballesteros is. Nobody has won. Euro- nobody won more European Tour events than Seve. He won fifty of them. Interestingly enough, third or fourth on the list is Tiger Woods with forty-one. Holy shit! An wow. American was third on the European Tour for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> that's how amazing he was. He is. Um, but Seve Ballesteros would never be uh, confused with like a great ball striker and just a pure. You know, we talk about Scotty Scheffler and how he just. Hits bombs, hits them down the middle, sweet stroke, this and that. Seve was like, hit it into the woods, chip it out, chip on, one putt for a save for par. Like, 
he was a he was maybe the greatest scrambler in the history of golf, and that's kind of what Jordan Spieth has become at least in the last couple years. He sprays the ball all over the place on the tee, but what happened this weekend at the RBC was that, frankly, a few of the top guys did not play particularly well on Sunday, and he scrambled his balls off on Sunday and he made did. and did what Jordan Spieth does, which are he doesn't have like saves from bad spots. He makes shots from bad spots. And when Jordan Spieth is putting, there's nobody better cuz he'll he'll make anything from a 5-footer to a 25-footer look like it's supposed to go in, and that's what happened and he ends up taking the taking the cut, the RBC Cup home with him. So, a nice win for him, but that's I don't think that's a sustainable way of winning golf it's tournaments. Not. And this that's why the, he goes a long time without doing this it. This is the it's... problem now. So, he needs guys to come back to the pack. He needs to kind of play out of his mind for stretches. Um, he's just not a consistent ball striker off the tee. And, and frankly, until he becomes a more consistent ball striker off the tee, this is how it's going to be. And it really bothers me. It really bothers me because I still believe he could be one of the best players on Dude, the planet. But he almost screwed himself out of the whole goddamn tournament. Did you see what he did Saturday? Uh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I was watching, but I, didn't, I don't know what. what, what the tap in on 18? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't see it. Goes and type it on 18 and, and rushes it and it lips out. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, so he could have won it that. in regulation. That's why he was so mad at himself. Yeah. He goes, my wife never talked to me about golf. She actually talked to me about golf, about calming down. What the hell are you doing? Take a breather. Like, yeah. yeah. Almost cost him the whole damn tournament. New baby will do that too. He's got a new little kid over there, so it's kind of cute. But, um, it's just not a sustainable way of being like a top five player in, in the world. But he did win and good for him. And, uh, and we move on. 63 in the books, my friend. 63. What you got? Number, th number three. Super Bowl champion, two-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowl, Colts center, Jeff Saturday. Beautiful. Great player. Pretty good number announcer, by the way. He's on ESPN. He does a pretty good job. He, does he is pretty, pretty good. good number two, 1963 MVP, three-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowl, Colt, Niner, and Giants Hall of Fame quarterback, Y.A. Tittle. Mm, classic. Number one, two-time Super Bowl champ, five-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowl, 1970s All-Decade team, Raiders Hall of Fame guard, Gene Upshaw. He was the uh, union president for a number of years as yes, well. Yes, he was. Him. Good man. Uh, we've got some news of the week for you here, and this one goes out to all the global warming alarmists. This U.S. town just picked up four feet of snow in less than a week. Uh, you know, the talk is uh, what all the carbon that's being poured into the uh, into the atmosphere. We're never going to see winters again. That has been proven wrong, especially this year. But this particular town of Minot, North Dakota, about 48,000 people lived here. They had four feet of snow in about three days, setting a new record. And this is in April. Um, the, the kind of snowfall that you would expect between January or in January, February, not mid-April. So four feet, <laughs> four feet of snow in Minot, North North Dakota, uh, setting a new record and telling all you global warming alarmists, enjoy these middle fingers. That's <laughs> kind of what they were saying. So there you go. 
I'm not a science denier. Don't worry about it. For all of you, like, I'm not listening to this guy anymore. He's a Trump supporter. He doesn't believe in global warming. Uh, you fart too much, and that's causing global warming, too. I certainly do, and it's a problem. It's something that needs to be worked on and, and will no longer <laughs> be discussed on the show. For Scott Bracey, I'm Pete Colasano. You've been listening to Bump and Run. And we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Ooh.